All right, Kev, we're back. One week break. Feels like forever. And I want to start this podcast off with a bang. We have we have reached the next level here of this podcast, of this brand, survivinggolf.substack.com. The Surviving Golf brand is proud to announce an official golf course partnership. We have an official golf course of Surviving Golf. It is Redtail Country Club in Devens, Devens, Massachusetts. Uh, good friend of the podcast, uh, Dylan Malcolmson, the head golf professional. Uh, my coach, my good friend, uh, has stepped up to sponsor the podcast. He will be offering uh, exclusive tournaments, exclusive discounts. Uh, I know we will have an interview series with him coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, in the newsletter this week, he will also be announcing his big game league uh, at Redtail, which is sort of tailored toward. Uh, more advanced players, more advanced golfers. I'd highly recommend anybody to check that up. Redtail is a fantastic uh, course um, in that part of Massachusetts. But wanted to start off with that. Want to thank Dylan. Want to thank Redtail for stepping up uh, to support the product. And we hope it's the first of many partnerships with the great Redtail Country Club. Yeah, huge for us. Obviously, myself personally, I only um, only played there once last summer. We had a little. Um little outing there but but it was phenomenal super super nice course um and of course yeah thank you thank you so much to dylan and thank you so much to uh to redtail itself for um for doing that and um yeah we look forward to what the what the future holds so so we're excited and 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 like you said ed hopefully um we can get this sort of brand out there and and hopefully this will be the first of many for us so yeah definitely excited for what the future has to hold yeah, and I'm sure I've told this story before, but like I would highly recommend if your golf game is broken, uh, Dylan will fix it. Uh, I came to him about four, four and a half years ago as a totally broken man, ready to give the game up. Um, I took a swing evaluation with him when he was working at a different establishment, and I haven't stopped going since then, and I don't think I will ever take lessons from anybody else again. Um, just changed, changed my swing, changed my game, uh, maybe not quit which is quite important because this podcast probably wouldn't exist if I wasn't playing golf anymore. But again, Redtail, fantastic track, um, fantastic facilities, uh, great bar, great, great driving range, putting green, all of that. So um, make sure you check that out. And like I said, uh, more things to come on that. But as we get into the world of golf, man, I know it's an, uh, a big, big golf weekend. Uh, any big takeaways from the Genesis, from the weekend in general? I know there was not a lot going on unless you like like bad effort NBA, um, which I vent about in the newsletter this week, which comes out tomorrow. Uh, I don't understand when people uh, – I don't understand when we stop trying as athletes. It's been a weird fad to see like weird all-star games where um, – probably shouldn't get into this too much, but I'm going to at least vent for a second. Um, when you have the best players in anything altogether – I've always felt like personally, like that was the time to show you were better than all of those best players. And obviously my experience with that was probably like in high school, all-star games or something in like something in college. So certainly not in the NBA. And I understand that there's like a fear of injuries and I'm not playing for millions of dollars and I get all that, but like personal pride would never allow me to let someone I considered, uh, a, a competitor of mine um, get the better of me in any circumstance. Um, so it's been a weird fad, but I, I vent about that a little bit. But yeah, enough with the NBA. <laughs> what were the big takeaways 
from the Genesis, from anything else. Sorry, dude. I just waxed on, uh, waxed on for a little too long there. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, probably biggest takeaway from the Genesis, I would say, is that I heading in. I was I was most excited to watch heading into Sunday because um, I knew I, I can't lie. Had the big lead. Xander was in second, and, and I and I think I had the storyline like the finish correct and that i knew i wanted to fade both those guys and take somebody at like longer odds to win that uh you know to win the whole tournament and that i was just con continuing with the theme and i'm going to get into more of this later um as we kind of get into it but um just banking on the fact that those guys are just not going to um bring their best stuff on sunday which is a common theme that we've seen um this whole the this current PGA tour season and in, in like the, the previous year, I would say, which is kind of hurtful to say, I think, because these two guys are like, you know, like both, you would have to say probably top, like maybe definitely top 10, maybe like even top seven players in the world in terms of just their skill set and, and what they can bring to the table. Um, and carry like a, a, large burden on the USA Ryder cup team. And like, well, like th these need to be guys that are going to perform in the, you know, in the future of Ryder cup teams for the United States, if, if they want to contend, um, but just not guys that I trust to put the pedal down on Sunday and, and win, even with the, the type of lead that Cantlay had, I just was not confident. Now, do you, did you know who was going to come from behind and did I see Hideki having the round that he had on Sunday and, and storming back to win? No, of course not. I, I was on two other guys, but, but I was at least uh, validated in that. I I felt like I, I just took the right play and then I'm going to take someone, take a couple flyers on different guys and, and see if they can make it happen. Um, it didn't work out for the two guys that I happened to be on, but um, yeah, that, that's just kind of how I felt. And a couple of key stats that I took away from this weekend or, or things that I just heard from, from other people that I listened to is that can't can't lay's round one scores um, so far in this season um, are in the tournaments that he's played round one scores, 64, 64, 65, and 64 minimum of seven under um, par in all first rounds. His Sunday scores are 72, 71, 75, 76. Um, just a staggering like disparity there from, from round one to round four. And and I think I, I don't have Xander's numbers, but I think it's probably something pretty similar. Um, and just very disappointing from the two of them um, was probably my biggest takeaway. What about you? Definitely feels that way. Um, I I also faded those two uh, unsuccessfully in the same way. Um, I did not see Hideki charging back to. Um, I didn't have the stats to back that up, but that was certainly one of my points with those two specifically. Again, like the first, the best like two round players. Uh, in the world, maybe, but like just not quite having the closing medal. Um, I don't know how much stock I put into the reports that Cantlay was very sick on Sunday. Um, but even without that, like just sort of to be expected. And, and I'm glad you brought the numbers up because I didn't have much to back that up with. But that makes a lot of sense because that's sort of what the eyes tell you is that these guys are always in contention, like every single tournament. And it's hard, also hard to sort of dish on somebody um, who's just banking like, top 10 after top 10 after top 10, seemingly like every single tournament. Um, but the closing medal has been uh, a little bit concerning from both of them. Um, I I feel like we've been waiting for a Xander win specifically. Like I know Cantlay won last season. Uh, I can't remember the last time Xander won. And 
it feels like he's always around the top five, top 10, um, which shows like the ridiculously high floor. But at some point, like you got to close it out. And even with Hideki's, you know, 62 or whatever it was on Sunday, um, it would not have required uh, like a 62 to win that tournament from either one of them. They just could not shoot over par, which I believe both of them did. Uh, so that's just never going to get it done on Sunday. And, and, you know, I don't, other than the pressure, like I, I know that's always like a big, like sports talk, like, like first take type thing is like they buckle under the pressure, but like what else is changing in the first three rounds versus the last round? Like maybe the pins are a little bit harder, I guess, but to two players with those type of skills, um, I don't think that's ever an excuse. So yeah, definitely two things that I had written down were those two not being able to finish. Um, speaking of Cantlay's illness, my my big one of my other big points, bad day for food poisoning, bad day for in and out, bad weekend for in and out. Um, claims a lot of victims uh, on the golf course. Uh, obviously, the biggest one, Tiger Woods, um, which was like watching that live and watching him get on that cart and just like thinking of every single bad scenario that could have just happened. Like, was it his leg? Is it his back? And then knowing it's the flu, like sort of made it nice that it wasn't, it wasn't something physical. It's just like an illness. But then he bows out obviously after, you know, uh, a round and a few holes, Jordan Spieth has to leave the tent because he has to go to the bathroom so bad and gets disqualified for signing a round, uh, uh, a wrong scorecard. Cantlay has a hundred plus fever on Sunday. Like, what is going on with catering at Riviera Country Club? That's that's having all these guys happen at once. Yeah, some interesting, interesting news mid tournament this week. It's something nothing really like I've ever seen before. I've never, uh, I've never seen anything yeah. quite like that before. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, the speed thing is the thing that sticks out the most to me. Obviously, unfortunate to not see Tiger. All four rounds, you know, he made, he was kind of close to making the cut. You know, who who knows how he's going to perform the rest of, of Friday? But um, yeah, the speed thing was crazy. Obviously, not you know signing an incorrect scorecard, whatever. Like he he admitted to it. He took the full blame. He 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 got WD'd for that. But it just seems like kind of a a disproportionate punishment i think at least in my opinion and especially when we watch these guys like week after week call in officials and get like unplayable wise or like or like be able to move their ball um seem like almost seemingly like a hundred percent of the time um when they call a rules official in and, and ask for like some sort of drop somewhere that they're always seem um seem to get that ruling in their favor and to have like this kind of, I understand like, you know, signing an incorrect score in the history of the game before there were, you know, a thousand cameras and and people checking your score for you. I understand why that would be deemed as something very inappropriate to do. Um, but it just seems like the the punishment doesn't really fit the crime, especially given how much professional golfers seem to push the envelope. Uh, in terms of bending the rules in their favor in other kinds of scenarios, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Uh, I, so I agree. I agree with everything you just said, but I can't take your side because my entire profession is revolved around rules being rules <laughs> and there being no exceptions. Now, if we change the rules, that's a different story, but the rules are what they are. It does feel a, a little weird to me that if he had signed uh, if he had signed for a bogey 
on that hole instead of a par. He just gets the bogey and moves on, which is a weird sort of inconsistency in that rule. Interesting. Yeah, I did not know that. So if, if, if you sign for a score worse than what you actually got, you, you just take that worse score. Okay, so it's not like I don't I don't really understand in, in this way, whereas it's not like it's almost like signing the incorrect scorecard is not the rule. Like it's signing like a beneficial incorrect scorecard. So in that way, uh, I'm not down with it because I think if you sign an incorrect scorecard, good or bad, it should be the same thing. And if that means a DQ, it means a DQ does feel a little antiquated that we still have guys keeping each other's scores like you do in high school and college with, to your point, like a million cameras and shot link and volunteers and rules. And um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how there isn't a better system out there, but apparently there isn't. Uh, I certainly don't think, and I don't think it's even been suggested like anywhere that he was trying to cheat. Like there, there frankly, like really isn't a way to cheat. Although we will get to somebody who I think was doing some shady stuff later in his round uh, in a second. But I certainly don't think Jordan Spieth was trying to sneak in a birdie uh, where he made a par in front of a, a trillion cameras, spectators, and a partner. Like, I, I don't think it was a nefarious act. Weird to see him DQ'd. Uh, bad for the game when you have Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, and Tiger Woods in a tournament, and none of them play a weekend. Uh, not not great for your product. Um, I don't know what you thought of Tiger's actual play. Uh I was encouraged and discouraged at the same time. Um, encouraged that he looked okay physically. He didn't look like he was ever limping. He never looked like he was struggling, like like in pain. Um, a little discouraged because he is so goddamn big now from like the waist up. Like he looks like a professional bodybuilder and like his swing doesn't look like a fluid swing anymore. Like it's still Tiger Woods, so it still looks awesome. But like the fluid... Um, you know, flexible, uh, you know, elastic Tiger Woods of old is gone. And I'm like, how much muscle can you put on those that back before you just like can't swing anymore? Because that dude looked absolutely ripped to shreds the entire uh, time that he was playing. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely, he definitely has a different look now. Um, I will say, honestly, I, I unfortunately did not get to watch much of him. I, I started tuning in. Um, on Thursday, basically, basically on the whole, on his last hole where he uh, hit that terrible shank and and then made a great save and then missed the par putt, but ended up making bogey on eighteen. But um, yeah, that was honestly really the only hole that I watched him live. And it just a kind of busy week at work, and to get to tune in much during the day. Um, so yeah, I can't really comment on on his play, um, but. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I just just I guess unfortunate to see him have to go out the way that he did. I guess fortunate in that it wasn't some sort of like you know physical body injury in terms of his like back or whatever it happened to be. But um, yeah, didn't didn't really get to see him play um, too many holes, so can't really comment on on how I think the game looks. I guess. Yeah. And either way, I don't really think it's predictive of like what the masters may hold or if he plays in the players or anything of that, because he's always like even in his prime sort of always had trouble at Riviera. So it's not going to be like certainly not going to win in this condition. Um, some people had him to make the cut and are, and are upset with that ruling. Um, one of them is talking right now. Uh, I I think he probably would have made the cut by a shot or two, considering, you know, the low standard that was. Um, some guys could not do that. Um, 
but yeah, like, I, I don't know. Just good to see him get out uh, without breaking his back always. Um, speaking of broken backs, that was actually an accidental transition, but very happy to see Will Zalatoris in contention. Um, I don't know if he's, if I would like trust him to be like all the way back, even though there's no real reason to still doubt him after, you know, he, he's not knock on wood here, like not in danger physically anymore. I think, I think it's sort of like a, like a ring rust type thing. Uh, was a little disappointed not to see the short putt figure eight uh, putter head anymore. Like his putting stroke actually looks like a real putting stroke. He's gone to the the full Adam Scott belly putter um, with like a regular grip, like at the bottom of that versus whatever he was doing before. And like I said, the figure eight on putts inside two feet is gone, which was disappointing, but probably better for him um, in the short and long term to actually can some of those. Yeah. Yeah, the it is kind of sad. I I nobody has a abbreviated putting backstroke like Will Z does. Uh, so it is sad to see that go. It makes a, for some great content, but um, he he is one of my uh, favorite golfers, and I I'm happy that he seems to be at least at least you know pretty much back again. Like you, I'm not fully confident to say all the way back yet. Um, I JT let me down big this weekend. Um, that was so shocking. Kinda, I kind of forgot that about him too. Is that that's just you know historically throughout his whole career, even when he was you know contending and and winning majors, I, he was always a guy that I kind of had a little bit of pause on um, in terms of like taking him in the survivor pool because he I I I, I throw him in the same pool as like Hideki honestly and 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 these guys that have like super high ceilings but but the lower floor where like some weeks it, it just it, everything seems to be off and and you can't quite put your finger on what it is but but they just don't have it and 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 the approach play which is like the strongest part of both of their games is not there and and you can't quite figure out why but you, you just know it's not going to happen that week if you happen to be on them and um yeah have something you know Hideki the his obviously his performance on Sunday was insane. Nobody when, when he gets locked in like that, I, I think you have to put him almost at the top of the list in terms of guys that can like put the put the pedal down and, and like just go like the way that he went like that. Um, there's very few guys that are able to do that. Um, I have some points to bring up later a little bit once we get into this week, but uh, a stat that I saw this week which was absolutely crazy. The guy. The the player in the last over the his the history of the PGA tour for the past 12 months, I think it is. Um, if you were to bet in the top 10 market, lost you more money than anybody else would be Hideki Matsuyama, which is crazy to say because he he has so much talent and he and he wins. And again, I think the times that he wins or the times that you want to be on him are when he drifts down to that number that he was at this week, which was like 75 to one, 80 to one, where like, you know, kind of disrespectful in terms of his talent, but the, the play was just not there. You know, I think it's warranted for him to be moving that far down. He's not producing consistent results. And and one of the things I wanted to talk about this weekend was, was that is kind of like the difference between, you know, how do you take guys? Like, I think that Hideki, is more of a guy that you do want to bet in that outright sort of market um, system where, where, yeah, he can, he can definitely go get you a win. We've seen, he's a major winner. Like he, he has incredible talent, but the consistency is just not there. Sort of like the anti Scotty Scheffler where like you don't want to touch him in the outright market, but if you bet him in the top 10, 
top 20 like like you're you're sitting pretty right so like it's it's the difference between style of golfer and and their type of game i guess i would say yeah hideki can get real hot real quick um and, and frankly like he played 60 like very pedestrian holes in this tournament like it was not i did not see this coming until all of a sudden he made every single thing and was sticking everything um do you think he cheated when he was digging his ball out of the rough with his club behind it because i think so i don't think his ball moved yeah but i definitely think he was trying to fuck with that lie a little bit with his club i don't want to put I don't want to put like the cheater thing on him because he's definitely not got that reputation. He's not a bet. Like he's one of the greatest dudes in the world, especially like definitely on tour. Um, but everything's been glowing, but that looked a little shady to me when he was digging in that, in that grass behind the ball, just to see maybe a little bit of what, what was going on back there. It, no, it, it looks, it did look incredibly suspect. I've found, I, so these, obviously these guys are like in complete different mindset, but I've, I found that I like just do that so often where I'm like, I'll do it even without like realizing that I'm doing like, Oh dude, like you're cheating again. Like that's illegal. (laughs) But like, but it's so funny for, to watch like these guys do it. And when they finally get a camera on and you, and then, and you see that happening, it's like, Oh, it just like really, yeah. It really catches catches your eye. And you're just like, Oh man. Like, but it also kind of gives you like a little bit of positivity in that. Like, yeah, you know, these guys do it too, obviously sometimes. So, um, no, I don't, I don't think Hideki is just like, I I, want to believe that he is like, just, very morally he seems like he's the most morally sound person that's that's ever i agree i agree with that so it's tough he uh i think he got married like a couple years back and and literally like the entire world just didn't know about it because he just doesn't he's such a he's like that private of a person um but he no i yeah so I, i don't think he was doing anything intentionally but but that's the thing like you have to be so careful when there's cameras on you like this and just even like the implication of of something like that going on can uh, caught you know, caused a lot of buzz, and we saw it with uh, Pavon a couple of weeks ago, right? Same thing. So yeah, yeah. Well, I think I, I think Pavon straight up cheated. I, yeah. I don't. Th- I truly don't <laughs> think. Like I think, to your point, I could see a world where Hideki's just in the zone and just playing golf, and that's like part of like sort of the routine a little bit. Um, I think Pavon just straight up tried to improve his lie, which is which is fine, I guess. I I, I don't think Hideki's a bad enough human to do that. Um. We had this exact conversation over the weekend, but when are we going to see Scotty Scheffler outside of six to one to win a tournament outright? And I think we had this conversation last year about maybe Rory, but what outright price is going to force your hand to bet on him? Because yeah, I I don't I don't bet on him as as it is when he's six to one like every single tournament, even in the stack fields. But this is just getting outrageous, like. I almost feel like we have this conversation literally every tournament he plays in. Um, but again, like first by a lot, Tita Green in every single category and dead last, dead last in strokes game putting this week again. Um, another easy top 10 again. But like just the putting statistics are just absolutely outlandish. And I don't know where this is going to end. Um People are now starting to suggest that he starts to go to a mallet or a different grip or something. And I'll tell you this, if I were him, like 
something has to change now. Like it's just become too much. Like the, something something drastic has to happen because it quite literally can't get worse than it is now. So why not? Yeah. So for, for so for me, I I think yeah, the, and that's the other thing is it's like looking at Scotty's um sort of return over the past year. He he is profitable if you bet him in any other market other than outright. Outright is his only losing market, and, and that's just because like you know if you. There are very few guys, by the way, that are that are winners in the outright market as individuals. Like you either have to win often, like a Wyndham Clark, for example, who wins often enough at like medium odds, or like a Brian Harmon who wins the Open Championship at one seventy five or whatever he was, just to carry yourself for the rest of the season, right? Like Scotty's just not going to return value if you're betting him in the outright market. So for me, and but I also just don't trust him to win tournaments, like ever now it's been long enough where like i i just don't think that he's going to i don't think that i'm gonna be able to pick out the tournament that he wins i guess i'll say it that way right like i i think that you know he's go he is going to win again he's just too talented to not but i don't know when it's going to be so i would need something like at least north of 20 i think 20 to yeah so to, like just to, force to your hand on yeah but yeah. I don't think he's going to get put there. I really don't yeah. because he uh, – well, I don't know, actually. I mean, but you and I have I, – I said this to you over the weekend. Like, why not just put him at, like, 50, like put him at 10, 15, and, like, the, all the sh- quote-unquote sharps are going to, you know, jump all over that and be like, the, the number's too high. And maybe they're right, but, like, but I But he's I don't just know. not going to win. Yeah. So that's <laughs> right. the issue. So why, why not – why not – because I don't think that – like are a lot of people betting him at six and a half or whatever he's put normally? I, I don't know what the numbers are to be honest in terms of money taken in. But if you're not getting a lot of Scotty money right now, I don't know why as a sports book you wouldn't, you know, have some balls and be like, let's put him at fifteen to one and let's see what happens. You know, maybe we'll maybe we'll get some money on him. I don't know. This is um I'm I'm currently looking at a at a tweet that I booked Mark because I had to bring it up on this on this pod, but uh just Thursday and Friday. This is uh, just the measurements of some of Scotty Scheffler's missed putts. Uh, two six, two feet six inches, which is quite short. Um, eight five, nine seven, five nine, five five, three five, and the three five was the third putt from inside nine feet for the record. Uh, three seven and nine one, which is if you counted eight misses from inside ten feet. Which, by the way, if you have uh, eight opportunities inside 10 feet in a round, like you are throwing darts on the tour. Like that's just unheard of as it is. But then to convert on none of those uh, is very impressive. Um, the end of that tweet also says eight misses from inside of 10 feet and nine strokes back. So that's just been the theme as usual. Um, I, you know, like we we talked about like raising the price on him, but I also at the same time, like, how do you raise the price on somebody that's so ridiculous striking the ball? And that's what it is. Like he is just incredible um, to putt this poorly and still make top tens. Like you got to be hitting it very close. And despite missing from two five, um, like sometimes he just hits it too close to miss. Uh, but like three putting from 10 feet as a pro is, is quite impressive. I don't, and I just don't know where he fixes this from. I do firmly believe when when this turns around, whether or not he changes putters or grips or whatever, when he just has like an average putting week, like his win will come by 
eight shots somewhere or nine shots or 10 shots. Like it'll be one of those victories. And if you didn't like seeing him at six to one, you're probably not going to like seeing him at like four and a half to one in stack fields when he finally does get that win. So I don't even know how to like advise somebody if I were advising them. Like if you see him at nine, you should take him because it might not get higher than that. But also you're throwing your money away. So I don't really know what to do. Just like, I guess, take like the negative 110 or negative 120 on top 10 and you can cash that every single week. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to say. Um, at one of the shows, so one of the shows that I watched this week that I wanted to bring up on here because I, I really enjoyed it. And I think if you're if you're listening to this and you you enjoy golf betting, you should watch. I don't know if you saw this ad or not, but but Pat Mayo did like a how to bet on golf basically uh video this week. Um he brings on this guy from he's one of the like the rotoballer guys. His name's um Byron Lindeku. He's uh like a South African guy. Um, but he's very much into like numbers and 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 running things like that. So um, but basically one of the main things he's, he talks about is that like one of the allure of golf betting, you know, the biggest allure probably is like betting on these long, um, outrights, right. Cause you just don't yeah. get that in any other sport. Um, but I, and we, I think we've seen this, this year so far, whatever we're in like six weeks into the PGA tour where almost every tournament has been a hundred to plus we saw this week, you know, Hideki breakthrough 75 to one, but like, honestly, how many people were on that? And, and that's just one of the most attractive things about betting, golf is you can bet these long shots and and it's so exciting when and if you hit um but are you really going to find these guys pre-tournament like and i and i think if we're being honest with ourselves the, the answer is no it's, it's um, clearly shown to be no <laughs> just for the record so the history tells us the answer is no so um you know i i think it's but 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 there's no like publicity in that right like okay i think it's more profitable and beneficial and and safer i think to bet on like these like top 20 and top 10 and top you know whatever finishing positions on these guys that are that are a lot just show to have incredibly consistent games and finish t7 every tournament but it's not like no one cares about that right like you're not going to tell your friends that you bet scotty scheffler minus 225 to finish in the top 20 like it's just an embarrassing (laughs) bet to place it is but like you know the guy that that makes that bet is is winning more often than not, and the guy that you know is taking these long shots in the outright market just isn't. So again, like while while it's more fun, it depends. Again and again, it depends what you're into. Like ninety nine percent of people that bet on golf are it's like entertainment cost, right? Like you're you're yeah. looking to for the thrill and you want to hit that big long shot and and you want to do all that, which is great. Um, but if you want to actually like win bets and, and like make money, um, number one, like you have to start taking it like really seriously, which if you don't want to do that, like, I I don't really want to do that. Honestly, I, for me, it's entertainment. Um, but I I think you want to look at like some different sort of markets in terms of just outrights. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. And I think one of the um one of the the things that I wanted to see when we did the exercise of keeping track of our balance and and we'll get to that in just a moment. It's not been pretty this whole this whole year. <laughs> um but I've always wanted to see like the theory like it really does only take one outright and that that is definitely like a sucker's comment if you if you're a ga- like a real real gambler like I'm just going to miss over and over and over but I will I'll definitely hit that one that gets me all the way back. But that was one thing I wanted to sort of examine. Like, if you do hit one, two, three outrights the entire year, do you break positive? And, like, it sort of could happen. It doesn't look like it's going to happen yet. 
Um, I found the most success, like personally, like outside of the things we're charting, just like trying to bet on my own, watching a little bit of the tournament and then jumping on guys like live for like live top 10, live top 20. Cause I do feel like I have a pretty good eye for who's playing well. Um, who's hitting the ball well that week and who is maybe like going to like hitting the ball well, but not finishing like birdie opportunities, but like is stroking it so well that that may regress like to the positive mean. Uh, I've been pretty successful, like jumping on guys like mid tournament in that, in that regard or like round two bets or like showdowns and stuff like that. Um, but, but to your original point, I do think like just betting in the outright market is probably a sucker's play. Um, Unless like you have to be a like really researched and really good and be still get lucky because like and, if you looked at go ahead. and incre- incredibly patient as well yes. right like yes. you're, you're you're going to lose so every much. week every and if you were and if you were someone like me I, I'm very motivated by like positive results and negative results right so like for and and this is probably a flaw of mine but if, if I'm gonna spend the first six weeks. For example, we were, we're we're six weeks about into the season, right? And let's say I'm only going to bet the outright market, and I'm going to bet ten guys every week, and I'm going to adjust my bankroll in terms of how long and short are the odds, right? So, so now to this point, six week in the season, now I've played sixty outrights, and I've won zero of them. Yep. For me, that's like, how do I continue with my same process with with you know? And and that doesn't mean that I've been unsuccessful, right? Maybe I've had a lot of guys in the top five and the top ten, but they've returned me nothing. Right. Doesn't if matter if I'm betting in the outright yeah. market, right? Whereas now, if I'm if I choose to bet these guys top five or top ten, again, I'm sacrificing a lot of the payout, of course. But at least you know, I maybe I'll hit top five, like. Who knows? Maybe like a quarter of the tournaments. Whereas, am I going to hit outright? How many times am I going to hit outrights over the season? You know, less than five. If I'm, if you know, if I if I hit like a few, I feel like that's a successful season. And so, and it's just it's just hard. I totally agree with you. And this is like it's actually going to lead into like sort of a funny story that I just thought of. But like the amount of times I've like bitched and moaned to people that like, dude, I just missed this twenty-five to one by one stroke. So like, you guys should understand that I actually know what I'm talking about, even though I haven't won a single thing, like I'm right there and I'm on the right guys and I'm just like one stroke off. But the guys that I'm on are like in contention when they shouldn't be like, I sort of know what I'm talking about, even though the results don't show it. And I don't remember this is going to be like such an in story between the two of us and nobody else will care. But you remember many, many years ago where we were out at Jillian's bar and grill bowling coming off the stretch where we used to actually bowl in a bowling league. So we were feeling pretty good about it. And we were talking all this shit about how good we were. And the lanes at Jillian's are not oiled at all. So we just kept throwing gutter balls into the left side with like right-handed left spin. And the ball would just dart into the left gutter. And everybody started ragging on us. And I remember you saying this exact line specifically. You're like, do you think it's an accident that we're both throwing the exact same gutter ball as each other every single time? Like that should tell you something like there is a skill there. You don't understand. And that's what it reminds me of. Like this, <laughs> this is not working, but you have to recognize there's some skill like buried underneath there because of the context in which it's happening. I don't know if that connects. I don't know if you remember that story, uh, but yeah. that, that line and that story has stood out to me as an exact thing of like, process versus results and trying to find like the moral victories 
in what's otherwise been like, I was looking at our results today. I don't think either one of us in eight total weeks has had a positive week so far, no. but we've been ultra close to a positive week. And normally, um, except for like JT last week and a few others, it's been very rare where we've been like, I want this guy top five and he misses the cut. Or I want this guy top 10 and he finishes 20 strokes outside of the top 10. Like we've been right there and been on the right guys. Just got to trust the process and keep going. Yes. Yes. Yeah. First of all, for people that don't know, Ed and I are pretty talented bowlers. Um, so if anybody wants to take us on 2v2, we're, uh, just we're not happy a, to. Not a, gotta, Lane's got to yeah. be oiled. We're not, not doing this amateur shit. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll show up at your local like dive bowling alley and, and we'll kick the shit out of you. But yes, I do remember that scenario. Um, yeah, that was incredibly frustrating that night yeah. because I, because you know, we we felt like we had something to offer the group that we were with. I don't even remember who we were with, to be honest. Uh, but yes, that yeah, incredibly frustrating. Just but but couldn't stray because we knew we felt like what we were doing was correct and just dumping gutter ball after gutter ball after gutter ball. I, I don't even want to guess what the scores were, but but it was not good. Something sub one hundred, I can guarantee that. Yes. Um. But but yeah. Yeah. Um. I I understand that, and I. I don't, the other thing for me is like the like taking these plays here. I feel like I researched this stuff pretty early also for these bets that we take like on this um, podcast. And I feel like sometimes my perceptions change by like Wednesday or late Wednesday night. So I often end up not having like completely different ideas, but um, sometimes switching up my opinion so that could be another cause for the um just different just difference in my plays i guess i would say as the week goes on yeah all right well speaking of throwing bowling balls is it time to throw a few more like (laughs) are we ready to move on you got anything else from the genesis that's lingering over i don't um no i think i'm good yeah let's move on all right, Mexico Open, uh, super lame fields, uh, which which I'm sure will be mentioned a lot of times. Uh, not not a great field at all, um, but a pretty fun tournament. Uh, it's at Vedanta Valarata, which is a massive, massive course. Uh, par 71, but almost 7,500 yards, which makes it huge. Um, it's, it's the least predictive course on the entire tour in terms of course history here. It's only been in existence for a few years, so not a, not a lot of data to back up um, what the most important categories are, but certainly a little bit of, of predictive stats. Um, what I've read and what I've sort of researched, I, I sort of favored and, and was lenient toward uh, long hitters this week. Um, that's what I've read in terms of wide fairways, long course, a lot of drivers, and even though a lot of drivers, still a lot of approach shots with something greater than uh, a short iron or a wedge as well. Um, uh, a weird format, five par fives, four par fives, and only nine par fours, which is pretty abnormal. Um, the the course difficulty is pretty pretty average. Uh, 12, 12 water holes, um, a lot of wind. Uh, sometimes, which can make this course quite difficult uh, if the wind is into some of the longer holes. Um, but the the fairways are quite wide. I think the fifth or sixth longest on tour, and the rough is pretty short and non-penal. So um, we're not quite getting a birdie fest, but we're definitely not getting a course that's going to be, you know, like like birdies are going to be tough to come by either. So um, pretty average all around. 
I'd also say if Tony Finau, I think, is at like six to one in this tournament to win. Uh, let me see what he, 850 right now to Eight win. Eight and a half, yeah. If Tony Finau is at Scotty Scheffler prices, that just speaks to the field quite a bit. Uh, and, and that's <laughs> like, again, that won't be the last time you hear that. But um, yeah, I, uh, I did not wager a lot this week. I don't have much confidence. I don't have much enthusiasm for this tournament. So I'm just trying to hit like a long shot with one of these smaller bets and get back into the positives. Um, going into the Mexico Open, I'm at $618 off the original thousand, uh, negative $90 at the Genesis. Um, you're at 482, and I'd say like what has to be considered a successful, uh, only $10 loss at the Genesis. So congratulations for only That's losing good. $10, which <laughs> I feel like is winning like an outright basically now. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, pretty much the same stuff for me in uh, in terms of the course, like what we're looking at. I saw I did see one stat. Um, Eight out of ten, uh, eight out of the top ten from the leaderboard from the last two years um, have over 175 mile mile per hour ball speed. That would make some uh, sense. Yeah, which which speaks to Ed's comments about the driving distance, um, but also like like um, carry distance and apex height. I think there's just a minimal rollout here, so you want guys that are um, carrying the ball super long. But yeah, the, this course is just so long that that long iron play is also very much important. Um, when can factor in a little bit, we've seen it kind of play, uh, as Ed mentioned, we've only been at this course for two, the two previous years. Um, but we've seen it play very differently, um, in those two years. I think last year was more that birdie fest where the wind was kind of, um, mild and guys were able to score. Um, the year before that, I think it was like low single digit par that won this, uh, when that yeah. wind was kind of creeping up a little bit. So, um, you know, we've seen it kind of play both ways, but, um yeah excited to get into it you want to start yeah i'll start because i know uh i know you saw a little bit of one of my bets so i'll just get that one out of the way right now it does involve tony finau but it's not a square it's not a square bet i would never bet an 850 outright uh in in a non like major field so i'm not going to do that but my first bet is a golfer parlay it's a top five top 10 top 20 uh it's finau in the top five taylor pendrith in the top 10 and ryan fox in the top 20 uh that's a 30 to 1 value and like i said i'm going minimum every single one so just it's 10 bucks for every bet um and and my explanation for that is quite simple uh tony finau is the tournament favorite he's the longest guy out there probably the best long iron player there um i read some statistic today that tony finau's make percentage from inside inside five feet is um i want to say it was 196 out of 198 on tour from inside five feet, which is not surprising. I didn't realize there was somebody that could possibly be worse than Scotty Scheffler, but there is. It's it's him. Um, but here, I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, his game is just so far above everybody else. I don't think that'll be a big deal. Taylor Pendrith, massive, massive hitter, uh, Canadian. And then Ryan Fox, same thing. Like one of my favorite Euro players, too. Uh, good in the wind. Also, if it does kick up, you may hear his name uh, out in a second. So, um, I like that value. And thirty to one felt like felt like a pretty pretty good value to get those three. I like that. Yeah, Fino Fino obviously like far and away just the best player um, in this field. The putting putting is certainly a concern at this point, but um, you know he's still if he if he plays to his. Um, ceiling is gonna is gonna perform very well at this tournament, obviously. Okay, I'm gonna go with a tournament matchup first to start here. Full tournament matchup. I'm gonna go Patrick Rogers minus 120 over Davis Thompson for $50. Um, 
I like Rodgers coming into this tournament. I believe in the past two years, I had mentioned only the, the li very limited um, sample size and course history that we have here, but it is a little bit sticky in terms of guys that have performed well over those two years at this course. Um, Patrick Rogers is back-to-back -to -back top 10s in the past um, two seasons at this tournament, um, and he fits that mold of just like long, long hitter. Um, so I like him there in that matchup, so I'll go with that. Rogers over Thompson, and what are we like minus one ten there? My uh, minus one twenty. Gotcha. Okay, for fifty bucks. Nice, yep. nice, nice, nice. All right, I like that. Um, all right, I'm gonna go with my buy my guy Ryan Fox again. I'm gonna go Ryan Fox first round top five. Uh, that's ten to one, and ten dollars on that. I I don't want to repeat the exact same thing, but I will. He he's long. He's good in the wind, and he's good with his long irons. And most importantly, I like watching him play. So it'll be good to to follow his round one. Love that. Okay, um, my next one. I am going to go with. I have a couple top twenty bets here on the list. My first one is going to be Steven Yeager, uh, top twenty plus one twenty five for fifty dollars. Um, He's, he had a great late summer, end of last season, great fall. Um, he, he Again, great course history here the, the past couple of years. And he's also a great par five. He, he scored very well on the par fives at this course um, in the past two years. It, although this, you know, this was like a bit of a birdie fest last year, many of the holes um, actually did not play under par except for the par fives, which played significantly under par. Um, and he's a great par five scorer. So I'm looking for him hopefully to pick up a couple Eagles and, and hope he can um, score well on those holes and, and get inside the top 20. I believe he's been something like 18th and 15th here in the past couple of years at, at this course and tournament. So hoping to see that continue. Very surprised to see him at positive odds in the top 20. So that's a good, only, that's a good value. Only there. two players at negative odds in the top 20 for this yeah. tournament. Crazy. Now, Finau is like something like 190. And, and Hoygaard. Uh, Hoygaard's like 125 maybe yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Crazy. All right. I like that. Steven Yeager, a guy that always is like in a weird, like always at the top of the first round, I feel like, in these tournaments. So, yeah, that's yeah, a good play in a shallow field. All right. Um you're gonna you're gonna soon find out I'm on pretty much like five guys this whole tournament. Uh, but here's another one. Top 20 parlay. Uh Tony Finau, Ryan Fox, Aux, Austin Eckroat, uh, in the top 20, uh, 13 to 1 uh and ten dollars. Finau and Fox, I've I've already named, but Eckroat, like another young, sort of up-and-coming player, uh, pretty long. And like I said, in a shallow field like this, I just I like I, I like Finau and Fox for sure in the top 20. And then Eckroat is as, as good a bet as anybody else to to get there. So 13 to 1 when I'm basically hoping that it's just Eckroat I have to worry about. Um, pretty comfortable with that. All right, I like that. Um, next guy I'm going to go with another top 20 is going to be Brandon Wu. Uh, finished third here last year. I'm going to go with that for $25. He has yeah, really good course history here. He's playing terribly currently, um, but w w I'm going to hope that turns around this week. Um, good overall, like over the past year or so, he's had a lot of sort of solid results and, and consistent players. So I'm hoping he sort of regains that this week. Um, plus, uh, I don't know if I said this already. Plus two twenty five. Two twenty five. Yeah, two twenty five. So a little bit of inflated price there. So I'll kind of take that and hope I um, get a little lucky this week with that. So yeah. twenty five dollars plus two twenty five. I like that. He's in our little side. Um, you'll see him in my side betting pool with you. Um, but yeah, he he's got as good of a course history here as anybody is is possibly have. But 
is in a little bit of a funk, but yeah, like in a shallow field, just top 20. Like I, I like that a lot. Um, my last two are outrights. Uh, my first one's killer Keith Mitchell outright, uh, 22 to one at, at $10. Um, Riser gang, let's yeah, go. that's right, dude. If you're talking about long, long straight drivers and guys that are good with with long irons in their hand, like Killa Keith is one of those guys. He's been playing pretty decent all season too. So, again, I'm just looking to hit a big one this this week. So that that's as good of a bet as any right there. So twenty two to one at ten dollars, Killa Keith. Like that. Okay, I try in this one. I try to get a little different in terms of like the. Um the styles of bet that I take, I guess I'll say, I think this style is one that I have not played yet to, to date. Uh, so I'm going to go with a triple chance winner. Um, Jaeger, Thomas Dietrich and EVR at nine to one. Uh, I'm going to put $10 on that. I just like all three of those guys. Um, Jaeger. I've always already spoke about Dietrich has the solid, like long Island play. Um, and EVR, I'm just always a big fan of. So I'm going to hope one of those three guys can win nine to one, um, $10 bet. I like that. That's a fun, that's a fun bet to have. I'm a little jealous of that. Um, all right. My last one will be super quick. Again, Taylor Pendrith is my last outright. Uh, I've already spoken about him. 25 to one is a decent price there. Uh, dude just hits the shit out of the ball. So that's what I'm, that's, I'm pretty much all of my eggs are in the distance basket this week. And that's, that's no different. Um, big Canadian has had some good results. I haven't really followed him a ton this year, but I is know he, like has he is he a winner on the PGA tour or has he not won? Oh. I know he's I know he's had a lot of strong finishes. I don't mean to put you on the spot there. No, I, I don't know myself either. I have a I have a machine for this. Um <laughs> I I don't know. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'd be PGA Tour Canada has got one. I don't, I don't think he's got one. I don't believe he I don't believe he has a PG, actual PGA tour win. Yeah, he no, might, you might be right. One worldwide. Might be right. Yep. Just curious. Yep. Um, okay. My last one. I don't have a ton of research or like stats to back this one up, but I'm gonna do a tournament three ball. I'm gonna take um Toasty from uh I believe uh wherever Grio's from. Argent Argentina. Argentina. Maybe yeah, yep. Argentina, yes. Yep. Um over Keith Mitchell and Ryan Fox, a couple of your boys there. Oh no. Uh now and again I said I don't <laughs> have I'm not this is really not a fade on those two guys, and I don't have a I don't have a, a lot of stats or reasons why I'm backing Tosi. I've just seen a, a lot of guys like quote in the community on him. So I went with that at the like inflated odds of plus one ninety to to be perfectly honest. All right. Uh, so I I could be thinking you got ten bucks on that, by the way. Uh What's yeah, actually, I didn't write down an amount, but I'll go ten. Yeah. All right. Cool. That was me telling you to take take that for ten. <laughs> um if no, it wins, I, though, I'm going to switch that to it. Oh, yeah. Am I wrong in saying that Toasty got disqualified from a Q school event for taking a cart off the off the course? I hope that's true. I don't I actually don't know that. I. <laughs> yes, I love that. this is if it. That, if that's the case, I'm going to up my amount. He's he's a big time. He's a big time cheater, I think. So there, I'm, I just searched like Toasty controversy and there's a Monday like the Monday Monday Q Twitter wrote yeah, an article yeah. about him. And so what did he actually do? I'm gonna I'm gonna see right now. But the other headline is due to a quote unquote disciplinary matter, future tour player is kicked out, and I can't kicked out of event. So I I don't know what that means, but he's been released or is kicked out of event due to a disciplinary matter. It's unknown if he'll play next week. I'm trying to see. Let's see. Has withdrawn from the open due to a disciplinary matter. He the issues of the disciplinary matter will be handled internally. I can't see anything. 
Interesting. Yeah, I can't. This was, this was a corn fairy event. Yeah. Oh, it's weird. But there's also August 27, 2023. The quote is, we have a book on him. He was suspended after yet another outburst. A pattern of inappropriate behavior has finally caught up to Corn Ferry Tour member Alejandro Tosti. I love it. PGA Crazy. Tour needs a little bit of this. Yeah. It's a highly get the guy a win. Get him a get him villain. Highly unusual action was the result of multiple reported incidents that culminated with an expletive filled outburst on Thursday in his group's last hole of the day. Let's fucking go i absolutely love from this he's a great player i just hope he learns from this the tour official said another described the outburst is really embarrassing for golf that's great that's oh, just just the type of thing we there's need. more he said tour officials were asserted to multiple instances of poor behavior on multiple holes volunteers and fans reported that toasty cursed at his caddy for the week after a misread on the green his expertives were loud enough to be heard by people standing on the green. He also told his caddy to shut up multiple times after hitting a shot. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Toasty dropped Amazing his club stuff. and kicked it. The club boomeranged, inadvertently hitting one of the tee markers and breaking it. <laughs> this is unbelievable. You better be on PGA Tour Live this week. That's this is incredible. I want to see. Yeah, I, I can't. See. I can't believe that. All right. I, I like what you're doing here. Um Speaking of poor behavior, something else I got from the Genesis, our guy Max Homa is actually getting on my good side. I don't know if you saw his gigantic <laughs> F-word expletive when he hit a bad tee shot this week, but that's what I like to see, Max. Embrace a little bit of the villain there. Get frustrated. Get mad at not closing these things out. I did, yeah. I said this to you over the weekend, too, that like he... Um... Yeah, he was getting like a little testy with some people in the crowd, like making too much noise, kind of fired back at him. Um seemed to be taking the round like uncharacteristically more seriously than he normally does. I, I just found that interesting. I, I know I mentioned this to you over the weekend, but yeah, something to keep an eye on because there's not something you're used to seeing out of him. Yeah. But. All right. Nice, dude. I like that. That that makes a little spicy, spicy pick for the last one. So even if, you know, even if he wins and that means all of my bets lose, if he breaks a tee <laughs> box or tells somebody to shut up during the tournament, I'm gonna take that as a W, and then and then Liv will pick him right up, and we'll uh, be on on to the next jackpot. If you want ratings, find this guy. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, if we're if we're delving uh, five full minutes into Alejandro Tosti and his history, probably says a lot about the golfers we're gonna see this week. So uh, I don't know. Do your best when it comes to Survivor and betting this week. But like I said, this for me was. Let's just lose only 50 bucks and move on to, to something a little more significant. On to Florida. On to that's Florida. right. That's right. We're almost on East Coast time. All right. I got Alex, I got D, Alex D. Louise is going to have to set his alarm a little bit. Oh, earlier. my God. That's right. That's right. That dude plays it pretty close to the pretty close to the vest uh, every single every single tournament if he's still listening. So once again, to... that's going to be something that only probably about four people understand. But that's right. Yeah, but we have an intimate audience here on this. Worth it. Worth it. It's very, very incestual. Um, <laughs> all right, dude. I got a like I said, I got I got a pretty decent newsletter coming out tomorrow. The announcement of Dylan's league is is pretty important. Like I said, if if you're a real golfer in that area, and even if you're not, like that seems to be, um what's going to be a pretty fun, pretty competitive two-man league. Uh, and like I said, I highly recommend just checking out that course. Um, and if if you do take lessons or want to take lessons or are interested, can't recommend Dylan or Redtail enough. So please, please get over there and check that out. Um, you will also see me in the next few week, next few weeks on a volleyball podcast as well. I will announce the release date of that next week, but I, I will be crossing over into other sports and doing some stuff. 
Um, yeah, it's been an interesting, interesting few days, but uh, I had a good time tonight. Look forward to the newsletter tomorrow. Uh, otherwise, I got I got nothing left. Let's get to the East Coast here. Yes, sir. Uh, one more week. And yeah, we got a, a nice sort of stretch coming up. So, um, yep, we move on and, and good luck to everybody this week. All right. Sweet. See you next week, dude.